Borag Thumb Earthlets. My name's Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the first episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest com- Comic 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. Because it's our first episode, we're going all the way back to the year 1977, and we're be covering 2000 AD prog 1 through 5, the last week of February and all of March. But before we get to the stories, let's talk a bit about 2000 AD itself. Hey, how's it going, Fox? Have you ever read 2000 AD before this podcast? Uh, no. As somebody who kind of fell out of love with comics, this is pretty much the first comic I've picked up in a very long time. All right. It's a crazy place to jump in. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. So my understanding is that one of the things that makes British comics different than American comics, especially in like the 70s, is their reliance on the anthology format for comics. Ah. So, like, you'd buy a comic that'd be called Action and get a bunch of, like, war stories, <laughs> or you'd buy one called Cheeky and it'd have a bunch of, of uh, humor stories. I wonder what this theme is. Yeah, or Tiger and get sports stories. That's pretty and awesome. 2000, yeah, 2000 AD is the same sort of thing, except it's for science fiction and, a- and action stories and stuff. Yeah, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, most of these comics also have a presenter, which is a character that introduces the issues and says what to look for on the inside. 2018's presenter, well, the alien editor, Tharg, is still sort of in its infant stages at this point, but the comic is slowly expanding his presence. He doesn't even show up to the second issue, yeah. but whatever. So just some more stuff. Um, uh, 2000 AD is a weekly comic, with each issue being called a, a program or prog, and each story inside is a thrill with the goal of overloading you with the power of its thrills, or thrill power, which will be a major concept in the comic going forward. So all that said, let's dive into the storylines. Okay. Yeah, we'll do, each, we'll do them by storyline instead of by issue, because it's easier to talk about one story over five issues than to talk about like the same story five different times per issue or whatever. So, first things first, <laughs> is, a non, is thrill zero... The prizes inside these first couple issues. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first three issues, just to sort of get you know to get the kids all over London Town or whatever interested in 2000 AD, was a bunch of different like prizes that came with the comic as well as just the comic itself. These are pretty much amazing. It's awesome. It's a real bummer that we don't actually have like the physical thing. I want to look like really that kid. You know the kid yeah, I'm talking about, the one with like the very intense constipation anger face? Like, yes, I've got some <laughs> fucking stickers. He's living it up, man. <laughs> so, in in Prague 1, they had a uh, a space spinner, which is where we got the name for the show. <laughs> it's basically like a palm-sized frisbee, essentially. With like, you know, it's red, it's got a thing in the center, you throw it at people, whatever. It's excellent. <laughs> Prague 2 had what Fox was talking about, the Biotronic Man stickers, which are... They're amazing. A, it's apparently, it's just a, it's a pack of stickers that you're supposed to, like, put on your arm that makes it look like you've got, like, machinery inside your arm, like you're a cyborg I mean, he looks like pretty much like an evil cyborg, from what the I'm kid, thinking. There's a picture in, like, in, in, in Prague 1 of the kid with these stickers on, and it's really the best that anyone's ever looked with these with these stickers <laughs> on his arm, because they aren't like temporary. Like if you have if you have any kind of arm hair, these things these stickers are not working. No, <laughs> but, 
They cover they this, cover most of your forearm. I refuse to believe that they're as big as, as they are in this picture. Oh, I'm sure that they are the worst kind of looking stickers. <laughs> this was 1977, and it's Britain. And yeah. uh, while I'm not trying to offend British people, I mean they did lose it for us. I'm sure they're still on ration cards. And stuff. <laughs> but so the third Prague Three had the Red Alert Survival Wallet. Oh, that which, one was awesome. Which is like seems to be the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like it's like a cardboard code breaker, basically. Yeah. And there's a way to like generate like code names for yourself and stuff. I don't know. It's like I'm, it seems really cool. I've never wanted a piece of forty year old cardboard more in my life. I'm kind of pissed because I. Like, you use it to decode certain things in the actual comic yeah. book. So it's like, I and I don't, I'm, I'm kind of being a purist about this. I don't want to go to no Wikipedia to tell me about this well, fucking thing. But I wanted to know. They were in the silo. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't use Wikipedia oh. to figure it out, but I did find an online code breaker program. Oh, that's awesome. Like, to let you cheat at, like, things that appear in newspaper programs and oh, stuff. Oh, great. <laughs> So in Prague three, there's a short one that just says "Death to the Invaders." Oh, awesome! And then in Prague four, there's a long one. Yeah, at sort of in the when they go to like the missile silo that uh, yeah. invasion that 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 is the is the base for invasion. And basically, it says um, that that page has been treated with a special chemical, <laughs> and in the presence of nerve gas, it will change color. So just be aware. Wow. That would actually be helpful given some of the situations that mock. Like. Yeah, and it was, and if it was true, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. I mean, let's be real. I don't think it was actually treated with anything. <laughs> hey man, this is a Tharg comic book brought to us by robots. Absolutely, it's one hundred percent robot written and edited, and top quality apparently. Really good because I don't, I don't like to get gassed. Hey man, you're getting your money's worth. For your um, ten pence, eight pence eight to pens. start, or um, like your sorry, there's all these prices on the cover, which are fun. Oops, like for thanks. your for your eight malt Malta C's, whatever that is. Because on it, they also they're you know, so we're looking at the free gift red alert. Like it's got a code wheel and all this other garbage. For your seventeen galactic groats on Mercury. Yeah, exactly, a hundred galactic groats. <laughs> All right, but so let's get to the con- let's get to the stories. I'm, I'm I'm fiending for these stories, Fox. Oh, okay, so thrill one invasion. So fucking awesome. So invasion starts January on January first, nineteen ninety nine, the distant future. <laughs> <laughs> Just before Y two K, so it's sort of you know. I you know to me this is sort of a premonition. It's so old that Y two K didn't even exist when this came out. <laughs> That's what I mean. This is what Y2K was. Right. It's uh, it's the Volgan Empire, which or the Volgan Republic of Asia, I should say, <laughs> which is sort of a combination of Russia and China by way of the Nazis. And they really do ham it up on the faces. Some of these pretty... yeah, they've like they've got yeah they they invade Western Europe and conquer it all instantly. They conquer uh the England in the eight. Our war, they call it. <laughs> and yeah, they really like all the... So the Volgans sort of wear like these big, you know, they all wear like helmets with death's heads on them and stuff. They're the bad guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like they they draw close-ups of them and everybody's got weird like... 
exa- they've all got exaggerated, like kind of I don't know, like bestial, not not like animal faces. But definitely, but like, no, I get where you're coming from. It's definitely like bestial and kind of intense. Yeah, like they look like if you've ever seen like prop like anti like Nazi propaganda yeah. posters from like World War Two, where they where they really like make these guys like they're they're like oh yeah like the Huns or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they really look like that. I think. Well, and I think we're glossing over an important fact that like so. You've never heard of these guys, but they're definitely invading, and they've got oh, yeah. all of the tanks, and they've got all of the people, they've got all, all the, of nukes. the guns. Oh, but by the way, they also nuke the Midlands. <laughs> like, yeah, they just take out the middle of England, like whatever. <laughs> they just drop a nuclear bomb while all of their troops are setting foot and paratroopering into like England, and they just yeah. take it over in eight hours. Like no, yeah. no deal. It's easy, super easy yeah. to take over a country. Yeah, Look at us England told. England totally surrenders, but you know who doesn't surrender, Fox? Oh. Lorry driver and all-around hard man, Bill Savage. I mean, one of easily the best things that this comic book has to offer, by the way. This dude shows up with a double-barreled shotgun, and why is that? Why is he so angry, Conrad? His wife and kids get killed when their house is hit by a stray tank shell. Like, so Savage is left with nothing. Like, he's got nothing left of his family, except for one thing, me shotgun. Oh, God. And it is me shotgun. So he just pulls out this two-barrel shotgun and, like, with one, with one, with, like, one double-barrel blast takes down, like, a van full of Volga. Well, it's, it's at least, like, seven or eight people. Just, like, picks it up, yeah. shoots it, the cargo's fucking flying, and then there's one dude left, and what does he do? Oh, he just shoots him in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Britain surrendered. The war's over. I'm opening it up again. My war's just begun. It's <laughs> oh, God. It's just and so, so amazing. And so the rest of the rest of these issues is sort of Savage taking the fight to the Volgans. He uh he kills a bunch more occupiers. He gets recruited by Lieutenant Peter Silk Which, into the resistance. Oh God! It's the it's the brigadier. I love the brigadier's name. There's a yeah. Oh, what's his name? I forget. I believe it's. Uh, I know it's. Uh, oh, Brigadier Bentley Pearson. Bentley Pearson. <laughs> He's super English. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, he joins. So Savage joins up with the resistance. Sort of. His sort of cell is sort of bossed around by uh, by by Silk, who's this guy with like sunglasses and a mustache. They get a sweet, they have a sweet like base in like, or we we get a sweet cutaway of a base. Oh, which is underneath a farm. Yeah, and is full of like jump jets and APCs and revenge missiles and stuff. Revenge. It's very um, like they, they had a similar cutout like this in one of the episodes of uh, Stranger by the Dozen, my Doctor Strange podcast, and like that where they showed the shield helicarrier. Yeah. I just love um, all these cutaways. Just remind me of being like a ten year old and designing my ultimate base and stuff. Yes, where there's a lot of very specific places for a lot of guns and weaponry <laughs> and vehicles and stuff, and then just kind of one tiny room for, like, living quarters. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, the living quarters section, section of this map... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but the living quarters section of this map houses, like, five people, you know? Dude, it's nuts. I, yeah. How many... They, I, may, I remember the shot. It's like, we have, like, 50 to 100 tanks. Or- yeah. No, well, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's definitely, like... Like ten, it's like five tanks and like two jets, and then or maybe like a third jet and then a bunch of like uh, 
mortar emplacements and artillery pieces and stuff. It's way more than <laughs> that there are people. But anyhow, uh, Savage joins the resistance and they kind of put him in a resistance cell with a bunch of other sort of regular guys that are fighting back. Mad dogs. There's a, yeah, the mad dogs. There's a good part where he, uh, where he looks, where he ferrets out um, saboteurs by looking at people's hands. Oh, and he's like, it was during the recruitment the, moment. Yeah, because, like there's all these guys being recruited, and he's like, "Let me see your hands." <laughs> well, so like the idea was everybody's a working class man. These, yeah. that these guerrilla fighters have decided to hire, right? They're like, okay, we're going to find people who are really rough and tumble, and this is one of the dudes is or Savage. Yeah. And so <clears throat> he's like, oh, here's all the other people you're going to work with who are crazy blue-collar people like yourself. And yeah. they're like, oh, I'm a fisherman. And he's like, okay, cool. And everyone's like kind of naming off what they do. One guy's a miner. And so... He's like, let me see everyone's hands. And yeah. like the fisherman drops his hands and it's like, oh yeah, you've got like you look like you've been holding a fish hook all your life. Checks yeah. his hands, okay, they're looking good. The miner is the only person that kind of gives some back chat and he's like And he shows his hand and they're soft as a lady's handkerchief. Yeah. <laughs> he's the traitor. What does he do? How does Savage just, combat this situation? And, Oh, Savage borrows like this dog hands, like a meatpacking hook, and just hooks him right in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the awesome. way that this man solves problems is with a shotgun to people's faces and whatever's yeah. really around to stab a Volgon. He's a hard dude, man. And so, <laughs> and so it and and so the last story is them sort of leading an assault on a Trafalgar oh, Square. Yeah. They blow up Nelson's column and take down all these Volgons. <laughs> Eventually, eventually retreating to uh, the Isle, to the Isle of Dogs, which will be the new headquarters for the Mad Dogs in their war against the Volgs. Because obviously, <laughs> oh, by the way, it's also completely abandoned because it got shelled to shit, and yeah. the Volgons go there, and no people go there. So hey, perfect. Yeah. So I think we're all pretty big on invasion, right? This is a fun. This is a good story. I mean, I would almost say like. I mean, I will save sort of judgments for the end, but like this is yeah. this is worth a read. I would say that to anyone. Who's yeah, like man. About comic books again. This is ridiculous. Invasion's good. It's sort of it's sort of Death Wish meets Red Dawn, basically. Oh God, yeah, that's a really good that's a really <laughs> so, good assessment. It's really like it's a really fun like it's 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 realistically drawn in sort of this very like action packed way, and it's it's really neat. I mean, the fact that uh, our main hero. The only like thing of excitement that he gets out of this five issue spread is that like he upgrades from a double barreled shotgun to an yeah to a pump to action a pump shotgun, action, and the reason he quotes is like, "Oh, I don't have to reload so often." Absolutely, yeah, he's <laughs> he's living the life. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's go from inv- from invasion to thrill to flesh. So much yes right now. <laughs> so for flesh, so the story of flesh is that uh, in the 23rd century, most animal life has been wiped out. So to feed the people the fresh meat they want, uh, there's no answer but to you know go back 65 <laughs> million years to the time of dinosaurs and uh, herd and slaughter dinosaurs using cowboys. To a T, cowboys. Dinosaurs, yeah. time travel. Yeah, so the story starts with like a basic like cattle drive story with a herd of uh 
Styracosauruses being led through T-Rex country by a bunch of dudes on horses and dune buggies led by rough and tumble timed cowboy Earl Reagan. <laughs> Amazing. He's, got, yeah. he's then, got a whip, a cowboy hat, a cigar, a laser gun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So then the drive finally gets back to the time, like Abattoir, and they're attacked by pterodactyls. <laughs> And uh, Reagan and his men end up eventually going to like a crate to like a shanty town to unwind after the drive. Oh God! And it's around then oh, no. that they meet. It was uh, the the his buddy got bit. And- oh yeah, lots of there's a huge attrition rate among all the all the time cowboys. Oh, yeah. Like at least one dude gets eaten by a giant monster every issue. It's pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. So it's around then that they meet um, Old One Eye, a humongous female dinosaur who gets her right eye put out in an early encounter with Reagan, and who's going to be sort of the primary antagonist for the whole comic series. She's a complete jerk. She's the strongest female character in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie about it. It's just sort of the case. She's a badass, though. This big man-eating, one-eyed T-Rex that just ruins everyone's day. Uh, <laughs> If you, I mean, she's Reptar. Yeah, basically. But I love Flesh, man. Flesh is so ridiculous oh, because just the concept is one of those things where you you explain it to someone and they like pause and then start laughing. Yeah, because it's, it's so ridiculous, but also kind of a fantasy. Yeah. But I think they really sell it as sort of like they they play it seriously enough with just a little bit of humor that it's just like it works really well, you know. I really actually enjoyed the writing out of this a lot. Like Yeah. Uh it's certainly like the the descriptor boxes don't really change from from kind of comic to comic. Like in some of them they sort of do but not really breaking a fourth wall or anything. Yeah. But the the people and how they talk and like what the fuck is going on like oh I'm about to get shot. Well, shoot it in the... Or I'm about to get eaten by, like, a giant Tyrannosaurus head. Okay, yeah. well, shoot it in the mouth. Like, just yeah. with your laser. And then watch it that Absolutely, explode. yeah. That, that, that blows off the, dino, the, the T-Rex's head, and then it runs around like a chicken for a couple of minutes. Oh, that's right, and then crushes everybody. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, man, it's fun, and I love... And I, I feel like I can really tell, like, the artists are having a lot of fun drawing all these dinosaurs and stuff, because they're really kind of well-drawn dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. And I love how every dinosaur, including like a brontosaurus or something, has like razor sharp teeth. Like all the, even the plant eaters have like these huge fangs. I know you were kind of like warning me about this earlier. You were like, oh yeah, like you're going to run into some long necked, leaf eating dinosaurs, and all they're going to have is like gaping maws full of giant rows of teeth. Yeah, no, that's true. There are just a thousand teeth in all of these dinosaurs. Yeah. No, it's fun, man. It's they don't care about like how it goes. No, I can see. They're trying to have fun, you know? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's a comic book, right? Like, things need to be terrifying. Yeah, and I think Flesh does a really good job of it. It's just sort of, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, we're going to tell crazy science fiction stories, and it really delivers on that sort of promise of what 2000 AD can do. What I I like a a lot about, especially, um, because this this kind of crested in, I think, even the, I think it was the second run, is that that's the only time you ever see time travel. Is like, oh, we're just sending some meat back now. And, yeah, and everybody's it. mostly stuck in the past and stuff. They don't do a lot of light. Yeah, it's a funny, it's a very pedestrian form of time travel. Yeah. It's like they don't do a lot of like, oh, Timmy died. 
let's go back in time five minutes and try to save them. You know, yeah. it's just sort of like time travels more like just putting something on a train back east as opposed to something that you actually use in your daily life or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Like, don't think about it too much. You're here to see cowboys yeah. hurting dinosaurs and shooting Tyrannosaurus rexes <laughs> and getting eaten by giant alligators and riding around in two-wheeled giant... Uh, yeah, doom buggy things. That's what I kind of think of them as. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's also, at the end of the fourth prog, there's like a commercial for Flesh, which is pretty good. Oh, that was amazing color. Yeah, there's a yeah. All these issues, all these comics so far have been black and white, and so there's a full color. Like, guess what's coming to dinner? Flesh is fresh, good to eat. Flesh is lots of juicy meat. Like, <laughs> Dude, the guy who's eating it looks absolutely gross. Yeah, and then they so it's it's all these like different things of like you know like our like herdsmen bring triceratops into the future to be made into various things, including uh, Bronto burgers and flesh flans and a flesh party pack. Yeah, and there's there's one picture of like a 23rd century dude. It's like this huge dude with a crew cut eating a giant, like a skateboard-sized steak. It's pretty... I don't know what's in his other hand other than like a whirring buzzsaw. Yeah, he's got future utensils, basically. He's got kind of like a cyber fork and then like a cyber knife that's just kind of like, yeah, like a... uh, like a spinning, bl- like one of those pizza cutters, but it's a split, but a, but a, but a spinning blade. It's it's just absolutely. It, so when they do their color work in the, they really put their all in. Like especially because you've been looking at black and white for so long, it just looks really great. Yeah. But uh, it's fun. Hey, but so we've been so positive, Fox. It's been so good. Yeah. Right. Like now, all of these things now have been great to talk about. Yeah. But now, hey, guess what? Let's go beyond the final frontier with Dan you. Dare. Thank you. So Dan Dare is kind of unusual because he's a legacy character for like British comics. His uh, adventures were originally printed in Eagle Comics from 1950 to 1967, and he had a daily radio serial from 1951 to 1956. So he's like a long-running character. So you know, you're imagine you're like an English kid in 1977 and you're trying to get your dad to buy you this comic. And you're like, Dan Dare's in it? And he's like, oh, I know Dan Dare. I'm like, that's fine. I'll buy you this comic. Well, so to me, it's like, you know, hey, do you remember a time uh, before, you know, the Doctor, like Doctor Who? There was Dan Dare. And the reason that no one remembers him is exactly what I'm going to talk about at this point. Yeah, we're in high Doctor Who. See, this is like, we're, this is at the same time as like Tom Baker. Oh, Doctor yeah, Who. that's true. Um, he is the poor man's Doctor Who in the worst kind ways. Of. No. Yeah. By way of Star Trek, yeah, I'd say. yeah, yeah. But so, so the story is basically like it's twenty one seventy seven. Uh, Dan Dare is a spaceship commander. Dan Dare loses his ship to some kind of crazy monster in the eye of Jupiter, and so he uh, wants to investigate it. And the brass says no, so he s- tries to steal another ship to do so. And the crew of that other ship, including a Martian hybrid commander named Mister Monday. And Lady Doctor Ziggy Rodan are skeptical <laughs> about uh, Dan Dare's claim of a monster in Jupiter, especially after Dan Dare kills a couple crew members, which is crazy. Yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> and then ev- eventually the ship is attacked by kind of a crazy, like praying mantis man monster. And Dare Jupiter or, or or Dare Monday and some red shirts go down to Jupiter to investigate and fight more crazy monsters and deal with the environmental hazards of Jupiter. And the art is is fun, and they actually this is the comic they always have like a color insert for mm-hmm. in the middle of the comic, but it's just kind of bland, I gotta say. There's some of them, so like the color pictures can be all right. Um, 
I've got some things about Dan Dan. I'm ready. Let's hear it. But I'm going to get some, some positives out of the way. A few okay. little highlights. Um, you don't have to stomach through this. You don't, first off. Um, you can kind of skip through, and if you see something really awesome happening, chances are that's about the most you need to know. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the promise of all these anthology comics is that if there's one or two stories you don't like, you still get a pretty decent, like, issue of the oh, comic. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you get a decent prog, even if you sort of... Even if one of them is like Van Dare, is what you mean. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, they get digested by a monster to be carried to God knows where. That's the big question mark end of the of the prog uh, mm-hmm. for, for this run. And... Uh, that's really cool. Like what they do to the monster, how it explodes, like that that was pretty interesting. Except that all the dialogue structured around it is going to be where I talk about my main problem. So I've said color okay. picture's good, alien design, really interesting. Uh space yeah, very kind of crabby. Like if you like those old um uh domes that, that you used to see kind of coming out of nineteen seventies architecture catalogs and stuff like that. Like they yeah, do a it's lot. Very sort of like Kirby and then kind of dome kind of looks. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's, they're pretty good, I think. I think the spaceship design's great. So let's stop talking about the things that barely matter except for the big picture parts where it's like, ah, oh, ship is exploding. <laughs> um, Dan Dare is the most boring character ever created, uh, especially <laughs> when you're talking about, like, when you... So we've talked about two, two progs so far, and both of those are, like, these really interesting, completely different... And by the way, the, the next ones are going to be, like... Amazing. This is a spaceman who was frozen back when Apollo things happened, and now he's in super space. And he's going <laughs> to do things, and he's really good at everything. And like they're like, hey, stop, because you can't just do whatever the hell you want. He's like, I'm going to fist fight this dude, but then throw him into a laser that then disintegrates him. And then he proceeds yeah. to continue to kill everybody. everybody. Yeah, people keep take, keeping him ser- They keep taking him seriously even after he's like killed several of like his own guys, basically. That's what I'm talking about. And you, you've got this guy who's so boring. He's like, oh, I, I randomly thought of the best idea. I'll take this titanium spike and toss it into a fish's mouth. Like, okay, dude, like, he knows nothing, nothing led to that. There wasn't, like, there's no buildup for this character to be this awesome. And I just, and nothing he does makes me believe it. I mean, mm-hmm. other than some of the characters around him are jerks, like the guy who tells him that he can't do stuff yeah. is like a jerk. Except for one person. Uh-huh. It's Monday. We, and I, I, Who's this giant... Man Martian, basically. Yeah, who is, so I guess human, this is the best part of this series, and I just want Monday to have his own comic, and he never will, I'm sure. But this dude, like, I guess people went to Mars, and then they had to get used to the gravity on Mars, and it made them really tall, awesome. Mm-hmm. He's the best. Yeah. Except that at after, like, one second, he's just dares, like... Sidekick, basically. Yeah, and and it's such a terrible position for him to be in because he's the most interesting thing going on in characters. <laughs> he's that like that's a backstory. I want to know about that yeah. guy. How would he deal with those problems? <laughs> nope, Dan Dare. He just what yeah. the hell. I hate this comic. I don't ever want to read it again. And I have to read more of it. Oh uh, yeah, we got to read lots more. There's lots of Dan Dare. It's really bad. <laughs> don't read this. There's some weird stuff with it um, going forward. Yeah. Uh, All right. I don't know. But hey, let's move on. Thrill 4, Mach 1. <laughs> Mach 1, buddy. Okay. But this is going to be great. I'll take it away. So, 
Mach one is uh Mach one is secret agent John Probe. <laughs> he receives uh computer aided acupuncture and now he's super fast and strong and tough. Basically just, you know, he's a six million dollar man, guys. <laughs> he's obviously the six million dollar man. He just he isn't a cyborg, instead he just got acupuncture aided by electronics. <laughs> But he kills people. Oh, yeah. Six million dollar man doesn't really, not too much killing. This guy murders yeah. people. Fair enough. <laughs> He's also got a computer built into his brain. Well, through acupuncture. Of course. I mean, it's all through acupuncture. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> um, Sorry, compu pressure? Yeah. So, compupuncture. Compupuncture so, <laughs> hyperpower. That's right. So, um, so, the computer should make him super smart, but really the computer is just kind of there to give him a foil to do, to do wisecracks with. <laughs> Um, it is, and so he's Mach One. Mach stands for man activated by compu puncture hyperpower. Really fits. Oh, and he's also the first one, as far as we know. That's the one Mach One. Absolutely, yeah, that definitely. And so this is the only thrill in the prog that doesn't specifically say w- what year it takes place in, but it's basically just you know the not too distant future, essentially. Yeah, I mean they've got Night Rider cars. Yeah. So Mach 1's pretty awesome, man. It's super, super spe- superhero, super strength action, basically. I mean, he's not a superhero, sorry. He's a secret agent. But he's got, like, super strength and super speed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, first, he kind of has to commandeer, like, a plane <laughs> that is full of nerve gas that terrorists have, which is pretty awesome. Commandeer a plane, by the way. After kicking down a door and killing, like, 15 dudes. Well, yeah, first, he, first he's got to take out the terrorists who have taken over um, some kind of plant thing. And then they're like, ha-ha, you're too late. Like, this plane that we have is going to drop nerve gas all over London. <laughs> so he's got to, like, get in his own plane and then jump from one plane to another and fight his way through and stuff. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty much fantastic. It's good, man. And then the second one is like... I don't know if I got it too much, but there was like a ship, a British ship that got destroyed. Oh yeah, and, they, and there was the, and they the think like ship. yeah, and they think like some some nearby like fisher, fisher fisherman ship was behind it, and it turns out the fisherman ship is full of like armored frogman guys Dude. in crazy big armor. The the dolphin maneuver page where it like shows you how he's like shooting himself two hundred feet in the air. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he swims really deep in the water that swims back up, allowing him to launch himself onto the deck of this ship he's investigating. And then a lobster man <laughs> grabs his throat. Yeah. <laughs> but he manages to destroy that ship too, and it's like, oh man, this guy's do going good. Then in the weirdest one I thought was he uh they sent him to like assassinate the president of some country. Right? Which that's not what a good guy does. No. So he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely an agent in the way that like uh, James Bond is an agent. You just don't question it. You just kill a guy. Yeah, but like James Bond, like the books, where he's not like trying to be like a super good guy. No, he's just sort of like being part of British imperialism, essentially. Yeah. Oh yeah. And this <laughs> like guy definitely like, feels more of that. Yeah. Like he's not like he doesn't have his own code. He just kind of does his mission and just like is not a super dude, I guess. I don't so know. like so from that particular prog that you were referencing, right? There's mm-hmm. there's a crazy so by the way the country's called Irania. That's right. Uh, you know no relation by the way definitely not talking about anyone in particular. However they ah. torture him and in like one of them they're like oh yeah we'll like rip out his nails and then he'll talk and his computer brain 
is just telling him like, oh, you won't feel it as bad as other people will because you're really amazing. <laughs> It'll feel yeah, like for 20% sure. terrible. Yeah, it's like how um, when he was in the plane with the nerve gas, some of the nerve gas got out and he just kind of hallucinated a little bit instead of dying. You know, he's, a good, he's got hyperpower, I don't know what to tell you. Dude, oh, that's right. So <laughs> which, which then leads to the final prog yep. where some guy shows up and is like, hey, man, like you're on vacation. I've come to kidnap you so we can learn the secret of your, we can learn the secret of your hyperpower together. And, and John Probe, Mach 1, is like, no dice. Right. And just kills everybody involved. It, and it was it was not a hard decision for him to make. His computer nah. brain was like, "Nah, this guy's bad news." Yeah, just murder. Well, I mean, that's the nature of these of, of all these comics, you know. When you only have like six pages to work with, <laughs> so you don't have a lot of time to like agonize over each decision, you know. Well, I mean, that's so. It's it's these little it's the little things about Mach One that really pick it up. Funny enough, so like, yeah, he is just blatantly mm. killing them. But the stuff filling the pages in between, right? Like, he's taking a regular flight to Urania and then gets out, and he's... And you, again, Conrad said, you only have so many pages. He just goes yeah. right up to customs and is like, I'm here to kill your president. Yeah. And, and then he gets whisked away to the Secret Service, which are about to torture him. But then the president wants to talk to him specifically because he's like, oh, yeah. this crazy guy. Then he kills the president. <laughs> yeah, being a decent plan. Like I don't know, you know. It was the perfect plan executed perfectly because he's the best that's ever been. Yeah, Mach One, super silly. It's, it's great, stupid, schlocky fun. He he got hit once in the entire time that I think we watched this or uh, read this, yeah. right? Like he got shot. No, he's, once. But I mean, that's sort of the nature of all those 2080 superheroes. They don't take a ton of damage, you know. No. But hey, but. That's true for most of them, but not true for the next for Thrill 5 oh. Harlem Heroes. Fuck. This is amazing. This Dude, you, you know it prepping is. Me for this and I'm I'm going to let you take it away, but this is <laughs> Aeroball, the sport of tomorrow. Oh god. It's, Aeroball is basically like a full contact basketball with jetpacks. It's it's real good. Kung fu basketball. <laughs> One of the best teams in Aeroball. The Harlem Heroes out of New York City. And they are, it's like a seven-man team. They do, yeah, you know, jetpack basketball. It's funny because they're like an all-African-American um, team, which seemed unusual to me, I guess, for a 1977 yeah, yeah. UK comic, you know? But I don't know. It, yeah, it's just like, I don't want to cast aspersions or something. No, and they but, kept it. They kept yeah. most of the, in fact, all of the main characters. Yeah, it's just an interesting choice. It's something I don't even know if you'd see that in like, a modern sport comic or something. But this is set in the year 2050 after winning a big game against, I forget who they, they play initially, whatever. After winning one game, the Harlem Heroes pack into their road liner, a big uh, hover bus, <laughs> and, it, and it crashes. And only four of the seven team members survive. And one of them, Lewis, is just like a brain in a jar. Lewis Meyer, 555. Yeah, so it leaves the re the three remaining able-bodied uh, uh, heroes, uh, Giant, Slim, and Harry, to recruit some new players, including retired veteran Conrad King, which I was pretty excited about. Who's awesome? The guy named Conrad. Yep. Uh, and and then young hothead Zach, and then they kind of get to uh, transfers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they, that was a very hand waving moment. Yeah, but so. The team manages to win their first game. They beat the Baltimore Bulls, which is a team of police officers, which is like 
weird somehow commentary on like 2016 American politics somehow, which is, I don't know how it happened. It's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And if, but if, if, at the end, they get a spiffy new hover bus from slightly shady millionaire Ulysses Cord. Oh, I've seen this about you. And he wants them to win the championship for the USA. And with that, the boys are off to Russia. <laughs> that that is a very fine recap with what goes on in that. I do my best, you know. Uh, I'll tell you this much. But yeah, man, Harlem Heroes. What do you think? Ah, oh, man, I, this was another really, really great thing to read. Uh, if you if you've ever really liked sports movies, like you know, if you're a Mighty Ducks fan, this is going to harken back to some of that. It's definitely got <laughs> yeah. those conventional standards of bringing on yeah, the loner and bringing the mm-hmm. team together again. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read a lot of sports comics, so it's like like honestly, most of my sports comics like exposure is in like 2000 AD. Yeah, <laughs> stuff. And it's an interesting kind of genre or something because like Prague four and five are basically just murder. They're just the game. But the, oh, the, oh, oh, sorry, I'm getting off. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Just, it's just them. It's just like this is a game of like arrow ball being played. You yeah, know? I um I loved it. It was uh it was you know your story arcs are kind of complete after a page if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's very this one Harlem Heroes especially is very fast. Like I think they get like five pages per prog, and so it's very like. Something happens and then it's resolved and then they go on, you know. Yeah, I, and I before we move on to Ulysses Cord, okay, it should very much be discussed. Uh, it's not like this is devoid of action, right? So we're talking about a sports game. No, we said like it's full of action. People bouncing into each other, knocking each other out, and stuff. They do karate chops. They do like uh, uh, faint kicks and like all of this other stuff. It is like. People beat the hell out of each other, and what sets the yeah. Harlem heroes apart from everyone else apparently is they don't wear armor to wear to weigh them down. They're very yeah, no, they just have jetpacks, so they're faster than everybody else. Yep, <laughs> it's good. So let's talk about how this thing wraps up because Ulysses Cord is uh, is racist. He's like um, if you brought if you personified um, what's his name? Shoot. Oh. oh, if 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 you personified Apollo Creed's uh, boxer trunk, yeah, and then sort of multiplied it by like Don King, basically, yeah. But Don King didn't even exist yet, so it's hard to sort of square it exactly. Yeah, it's but but like the heroes win their game, and as they do, they come like this guy comes out. You look at his court. He's a, he's like a multimillionaire. He's wearing uh, an Uncle Sam suit, basically. Yep. And I think he he's a, an African American guy too, yes. for, kind of. And he's got like glass. He's got like these big glasses and like white hair with like mutton chops and stuff. And he's like, "You guys are gonna win this one for America." But what I love about it is, it, so it, he, they definitely set him up to be kind of a questionable character almost immediately when you see him, uh, which I yeah. think is great. That's a really good thing about comics is you see before you read, right? Yeah. Um, but Giant has a panel that you can clearly see on the other side where he's clearly thinking, right? And it's kind of in that same weighted position. And it's because mm-hmm. it's it's supposed to clearly draw you to the fact that, like, you know, Giant, the leader of the team, probably doesn't really trust this dude because they're the... And he says so. We're the underdogs. We won one yeah. game. Like, why are we given this super liner? Why are we being sent to do the world championships? Because why, Conrad? We'll see, man. 
Well, so that's the thing. Like they allude to it. Like the uh, the driver, uh, yeah, uh, Lewis, it could be... actually says that it was a sabotage attack on her. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Yeah, they imply like somebody maybe Cord is responsible for the attack on the uh, on the on the heroes' uh, bus liner, all that stuff. Yeah, they know they're sort of they're setting up a two two dramas basically. The one that is just like playing the game and trying to win the championship. And the other one that's finding out who's responsible for the bus crash and all the all the members of the team dying and stuff. So you will get a good amount of content. I really yeah. enjoy. It. There's a lot going on. It's very it's it's really awesome. And like the heroes go go through to 2000 AD a fair amount. Later they sort of spin off. And they play a different game that involves like motorcycles and oh, stuff called awesome. Inferno. That that that's kind of crazy. And then because this is uh, 2050 where this takes place. There's actually I'm gonna I'll spoil you a little bit oh, thank you. by saying that sometime soon uh, the son of the main Harlem hero giant yeah. will be an a apprentice judge under our sixth thrill thrill six yes Judge Dread yes <laughs> I mean this is the moment this is why you're reading the comic yeah I mean Judge yeah th- this is the big one basically like when you if anybody knows anything about 2000 AD, then you know that it's where Judge that that is the home of Judge Dredd, and it's where sort of Judge and it's where he's earned his uh, earned his stripes, you know, or it's 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 what you know him for. Yeah, respect the badge; he earned it with his blood. Fear the gun; your sentence may be death because <laughs> I am the law. Well, he doesn't even show up until uh, uh, issue two. It's crazy. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he's not in there until Prague Two, which is funny, just because you think of him as such an iconic character linked to this comic, but then he doesn't even appear until like the second issue. And he's a three-pager I mean, on it, I think, or a four-pager. It's it's a four-pager. It's very like it's very quick. It's just like we're in the future. There's this guy. He's killing judges. Judge Dredd shows up and takes him down really easily because he's got an auto-driving bike <laughs> or whatever. He kills most of the thugs and then puts the last guy, Whitey, on Desert Island or on Devil's Island. Oh, God, a, that thing. A huge traffic island in the middle of the vast highway complex of Mega City One, the big city that they live in, you know? In other words, you ain't going anywhere. And you can never leave because there's a 100 mile an hour or there's a 200 mile an hour highway surrounding you. And you, know, you can't walk off and they just drop them in Shanghai and forever. And I mean that this is kind of how his comics go. To be honest, it's 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 a lot of that. It's like a villain a week kind of thing. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, especially these early ones. It's kind of funny just in terms of what Judge Dredd will be, sort of how he looks right now. He's super like skinny and yeah. like his jaw is underdeveloped and stuff. So <laughs> underdeveloped. It's kind of dude. Like if you. Honestly, if if we end up at like Prague like five hundred or something like that, or even like maybe like 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 a hundred, like Judge Dredd just becomes this huge like muscle bound jaw basically. Amazing. <laughs> um, but so this is I feel like these early ones are still just sort of filling out the storyline and creating sort of the world, right? Like we see Judge Dredd's motorcycle, his general invincibility in the face of no good perps. Yeah. But well, but we also get some cool stuff about sort of what Mega City One is like. Oh yeah, the facial reconstruction. And yeah, there's like face changing machines that can just instantly make you look like someone different. There's um, crazed mutants from beyond the city wall kidnapping people. Remarkable animatronic recap. 
Well, first there's like also like holographic simulations that you just kind of get in your house. Oh yeah, you turn your house into like a jungle with like babes frolicking around and it stuff. It was pretty great. Yeah, that's the that, that that's Prague Five. This whole uh, storyline that's like that's like. First, there's this holograph thing. Then there's like a guy who worked in animatronics and is angry that holograms are replacing animatronics. And so Judge Dredd has to fight this giant robot gorilla. It's a it's a very meta thing of just like I want to sabotage the new art form. Yeah, back in 1977. Yeah, but it's funny just because it's like in the future and it's already about like things moving on and being passed on and stuff. Yeah. Despite it being like, you know, I. I think the story starts in like 2099 or something mm. like that. I forget where, what year it is in like the Judge Dredd um, storyline or whatever. Because it goes sort of in real time. So it's a whole thing. That's, but, that's what I'm pretty excited about. Because uh, like you've been telling me that Judge Dredd really does age per year. Yeah, so the first Judge Dredd episode, or these first issues are in 2099. And so the current... Judge Dredd storyline is like 20, 2138, basically. And so, yeah, you know, the whole thing, especially for Judge Dredd, is that he just kind of, because he's in these once-a-week stories, and it, they just, after Prog 2, basically, they just, he's just in everything. Yeah. Um, they just keep him getting older and just having to deal with things as they come and stuff. I mean, that's sort of hard to tell in our early issues here, where he's just kind of a young judge figuring out how things work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's just, I, I guess, like, by like, there's cool out, new adventures coming just, like, and stuff. shooting people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, these ones, because they're still establishing things, it's very, like, you know, yeah, like you said, enemy of the week and sort of mm. new stuff coming in. They try to characterize him a little bit in the fifth prog by adding in his, uh, his cleaning lady, oh, Maria. God. So those, who's that's like, one of the two <laughs> things I wanted to caveat. Yeah, there's Maria, who's just this crazy, like, Italian lady stereotype for it's some reason. <laughs> and then what was the other thing you wanted to, so, to caveat? So she's great, but, like, if you are if you have ever seen the movie Heavy Metal um, and enjoyed it, like, the art or, or how it looked stylistically, you're going to get a really big kick out of um, Judge Dredd simply because they actually, I feel like they change a lot from, like, hyper-reality which is, you know, him on a motorcycle or standing by himself or when people are walking around and, like, say, when a tentacle is wrapping around a person's throat and strangling them into, like, <laughs> wow, we've got to make this look as real as possible um, within this cartoony universe. It's just really well done line work um, that, that you just can't get anywhere else outside of the 70s. Like, and then their full-color comic uh, back cover for Mega City 1, super beautiful, like... This art is worth checking out. Yeah, and you should check, and, and you should keep in mind what they define as Mega City One right now, because it's going to change as time goes by. Really? So, like right now, Mega City One is sort of like its southernmost thing is like Georgia, I think, and then it kind of goes up into like Ontario, mm-hmm. basically, um, and it covers the whole sort of basically the whole east coast of the United States and parts of Canada and stuff, and it's got like yeah, a hundred million people, all this stuff. It's it's huge. But you get places fast. And a whole big thing. Yeah. You get all over the place. Yeah, and I like, yeah, episode three, he's already saying, I am the law, and you'd better believe it. Yeah. It's excellent. It's, I, I mean, just the just the hierarchical characters that he interacts with, right? Yeah, there's all these good, like, the chief judge and stuff. There's all these, yeah. It's really fun. Judge, like, these are, 
you know, this isn't the ultimate judge, or this isn't the best early dread stuff. That's going to start actually like like next episode or something. Oh, sure. But this early stuff is interesting just to see where the character comes from before they sort of have things all solidified and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good read, and it's definitely worth getting through the entire comic just to get there. Yeah. All right. But so I think that's it for this podcast. Yeah, those this are the week. Frogs. All right. Fox, what was your top thrill for this month of 2000 AD, February and March 1977? So, I, you know, I'll be honest, it's, it's really difficult, and I'll tell you, it's not Judge Dredd, at least in this, which mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by because I, I like the idea of Judge Dredd and all of that. Um, it is a very difficult toss-up between uh, the Harlem Heroes and Flesh. Nice. Um, only in, in terms of just uh, ideas and uh, the things going on. So, you know, why? It, really, the questions are, why not uh, Mach 1 or Savage? Or, sorry, Invasion. Invasion, Invasion yeah. is amazing. Mach 1 is amazing. They're very well done. They're both pretty close, identical in terms of what you're getting out of both, in terms of mm-hmm. um, not fictional content, but, like, the content of, like, the fights and things like that. You're getting pretty much sure. the same. Whereas, so we'll start with Flesh. Flesh is dinosaurs and cowboys and space. And you can't yeah, really... Yeah, it's such a unique combination. Uh, you, can't, like, you can't get that much more ridiculous than that, right? Like, yeah. It, it's really good, and the art's done really well. On the flip side, Harlem Heroes is genuine. It's not ultra-violent the way that you're getting in the rest of these comics, which is yeah. like this nice little reprieve. And <laughs> uh, I really do dig the story. You kind of find yourself like into them and, and sort of into the characters, um, even though not much is said and you don't really get that much characterization. They're very cardboard cutouts, but it's enjoyable that way. Yeah. So I'd say Harlem Heroes are... Nice. Yeah, I think my top thrill is definitely that two-issue span of Harlem Heroes where they go against the Baltimore yeah. Bulls. Like the plotting and sort of how the team interacts with each other and stuff and just all this sort of incident that happens over like this, like maybe eight or ten pan spade eight or ten page span is really amazing and it's so everything's so tight and intricate and like just there's so many panels on the screen and so much happening that it's, it almost overloads you well, and, and, and it, i like, think it's, it's really parts of the game to you like the yeah like as they're as they're explaining like oh this is how like this game of error ball works like here's how this you know the ins and outs of this sort of stuff or like that's why this is a penalty and stuff it just it's it's doing so much at once that i really have to sort of t- tip my hat you know yeah absolutely i can't agree yeah. with you more it was like it was a very good uh, continuation yeah, and then what do you? So, what's your bottom thrill? What's the worst thrill of this uh, of this spat of issues? I kind of feel like we know that. Uh, yeah, and it's the Dan Dare. It's fucking Dan Dare, <laughs> and I'm gonna go on a slight tirade. I know I went on one. Uh, this guy, Please. this guy is boring. This guy isn't just mm-hmm. boring, but like if you look at all of the other comics, every single one that we've read, each one of them. Like, Judge Dredd doesn't have any background, but you want to read it. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what makes it a little more boring, is that there's no continuity, you don't know much about him, but that's also part of the thrill. Everyone else, they build out these characters in, like, two panels. They're just cut and dry. This guy's a cowboy. He is really awesome. He's helping, like, these guys make money by, you know, driving dinosaurs to go get murdered by a giant slaughter machine. Yeah, um, why not? And, and, and Mach 1 is a British murderer that is also a spy, and they send him places. Yeah. Savage is also a murderer, and he shoots all of the people trying to invade his home territory. 
Who is Dan Dare? No one well, knows. Like, like, if you were just to pick this up and enjoy it, you don't know who he is. He says the stupidest I, things. He puts himself in dumb situations and things just work out. And everyone's <laughs> just like, at, like, immediately does not trust him. But, yeah. you know, two sentences later is like, oh, well, what should we do next? Like, a guy yeah. who clearly just is trying to figure out why some people died. They, well, like, I think, I think that... I think it's almost kind of the opposite, or no, I, I agree with you, but here's the thing about Dan Dare, right? As opposed to everybody else in this comic, he does have a backstory. Oh. Like, he was frozen in the past, he does all this stuff, there's like 12 years of comics, wow. and five years of daily radio serials about Dan Dare. So, he's got part of the weight of all that on him, but as someone who's just reading him for the first time in the comic and stuff... I feel like there's all this stuff that's supposed to be justifying his actions or that put, giving him a backstory and stuff that I don't know about and I don't care about and it just makes him kind of bland yeah. or something like well, that. As opposed to all these other guys who, I mean, basically don't have backstories. I mean, what do we know about Savage? He's got a wife and kids and they're dead. What do we know about Probe? Nothing in Mach <laughs> 1. What do we know about um, Judge Dredd? Like, he's got a cleaning lady. Yeah. Yes. What, what do we know about... Um, the Harlem Heroes, like they play arrow ball and they're sort of friends. Like they don't have backstory, so we can figure. So we just sort of imagine all this stuff happening to them and bring it in ourselves, and it makes them interesting. As opposed to Dan Dare, who does have all this stuff, and instead it's kind of like, well, what? So you think you're better than me or something? Yeah. Well, you know, I just I don't know. I I, I yeah. Found I just I just kind of swept away by some of the artwork that they did. Um, mm-hmm. like was very trippy, very interesting. But that yeah. you flip I mean, to the next page and it's like boring, boring, boring. Oh, something interesting, yeah. and then boring. Yeah, I find some of the artwork to be really good, but the storyline, the dialogue stuff is really tedious. Yeah, and that's and that's sort of the biggest sin in this comic. That's all about being thrilled and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is that is that it's just like whatever. Like, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you're right in in sort of your assessment where it's like I think. You know, they did some kind of whatever proto-consumer insights test they were going to do, and and like three of the British kids in the back just hollered like, "I like Dandy," and then they put that. Fox was talking. I was, I was, yeah, we were explaining. I was explaining to Fox that like all these, all the thrills were peep where they just got a bunch of British kids into a room and asked them what they liked and just sort of made comics about that. So it's all like you know, like I like dinosaurs, but I'd like them to be fighting cowboys. And it makes sense. Like, that. like this whole comic seems to be just children ideas manifested into Yeah. And so the fact and so Dan Dare's the worst one, definitely. Bottom so, so you actually agree with me then? Yeah, I don't like Dan. I'm not a huge Dan. So Dan I'm gonna fan. let you go. Like, do you have anything you want to add to that? Because it's terrible. No, I'm basically. I basically just I basically said already that I just find especially like the dialogue and how they yeah. characterize everybody to be really tedious and in a comic that is supposed to be about being thrilled, you know. It's just not thrilling. Like being being bland is like the greatest yeah. sin, you know. I agree. Completely agree. So yeah. So cool. Okay. I hope everybody liked the show. Feel free to contact us yeah. at spacespinner two thousand at gmail dot com. And tune in next week as the Harlem heroes head to Russia to play ball and dodge assassins. The invasion grows ever more savage. Wow. Uh, Dan Dare and Mach 1 struggle to remain relevant. And, <laughs> Judge, and Judge Dredd begins the fight against the great robot uprising. 
Until next time, one dig, verse rig. Awesome.